Great God in heaven, as we come to this point in our worship service, would you draw our hearts and our minds, all of our attention and all of our affection to your word and your word alone. Lord, not the foolish ramblings of a weak and frail preacher, but to your holy and perfect word. God, it is only by your word that we can find strength and courage. Lord, that you can give us the encouragement that we need to go into this week representing you as ambassadors of Christ, our Savior. Lord, there are those here with us this morning who are hurting. There are those who are on top of the mountain. Father, wherever we may be, please, by the power of your word, speak to us. We ask these things in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to take it and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Once again, we will be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. We'll be reading verses 1 through 9 in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. If you do not have a Bible, you will see that there are some black books that are Bibles right in front of you in the pew back. If you want to keep those, that is our gift to you. If you do not have one, you want to follow along on the screens, that's perfectly fine. However you're accessing the Scripture, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word as we look together now at the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we come back to Hebrews chapter 13 this morning, we are going to zoom in specifically on verses 8 and 9. As we have talked about before, the author of Hebrews packs a lot of theology and a lot of doctrine into the first 10 chapters. But once we hit Hebrews chapter 10 verse 18, on verse 19, the practical application section of the book begins. Most of the remainder of the book is practical application. As we have talked before, in these nine verses, we find truth statements of doctrine and theology, but also very practical statements. And they are interwoven together so that they apply to our lives. We've taken our time in walking through these. 
But as we look at verses 1 through 9, let brotherly love continue, be hospitable to one another. It is possible to be hospitable to a stranger and being, be entertaining an angel without being aware. Remember those who are in prison. Not just remember them and think of them, but remember them as if you yourself were in prison with them. Those of us who are in the body, when one of us suffers, all of us Suffer, And so remember those among us who are in prison as if we are in prison with them. Marriage is to be held in honor. Chastity in marriage is called for. Folks, I'm not going to spend long on this, but there is an issue at the heart of our culture and society when we think that sex can define everything about a person. Sex is a part of marriage, but sex is not even all that marriage is about. And so we live in a world today where my identity is founded in my sexual preference. My identity is founded in my freedom to have sex completely removed from the idea or concept of bearing children. And so I want to remind us that when the Bible tells us that marriage should be held in honor, that means any intimacy outside of a man and wife is sexual immorality. That term that is used as referring to any sexual intimacy that is outside the union of one man and one woman in marriage. That is what Scripture is teaching, and that is what, in spite of our culture, we should be proclaiming and living out. We shouldn't have to walk around thumping people on top of the head with our Bibles. They should be able to look and say, oh my goodness, you've been married for 72 years faithfully committed to one another. You obviously hold marriage in high honor. That's the way that we should live. Our lives should declare that we have marriage held in high honor. And all of the talk and all of the political heads that are talking and the bills that are being written and the issues of abortion and sexual identity and homosexuality and transgenderism, it all relates back to this idea that sex is ultimate. And I want to remind you this morning, it is far from ultimate. It is a good gift that God gave to us, but it is a small part of our lives. And it is a problem when we take that good gift and make it the ultimate of all society. My identity is founded in my sexual preference. Whether or not we have children doesn't matter. Sex is about fun and pleasure When these become the norms within the church, we have failed miserably. Our lives must be a testimony over and against our culture that say, yes, sex is good, but it's not ultimate. God is ultimate. That is true from the foundations of the universe. And so as we look at God's Word about Himself us let us hold marriage in high honor not just in word but by the way that we live so as we continue the antidote to the love of money is contentment if our contentment is in the ultimate that is jesus then sex will not be as important the love of money will not be as important we will be content in our marriages because we are content in christ And we can be content in Christ because of the very next verse. Because we will never be left nor forsaken by Jesus. 
And then as we look at the specific verses we want to look at this morning, verses 8 and 9, we are reminded that Jesus, this one who will never leave us and never forsake us, is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Jesus is always the same. He is ultimate because his character and his nature never change. God is unchanging. And if you don't believe that, not only is it there in Hebrews, it's all over Scripture. Hebrews chapter 1. We have it on the screen. Chapter 1, verse 12. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will have no end. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was... I am. Jesus is so constant that before Abraham ever existed, Jesus was the same and was and is God. Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Revelation 1 8, just four verses later. The Lord says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord. Alpha and Omega are the beginning and the end of the alphabet in Greek. God says, I am the A and the Z. I'm the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Constant throughout, says the Lord. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Malachi 3, 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Folks, this is one of my favorite verses because not only does it highlight that God's character and nature never change, but that's a great thing for us. As the Lord is speaking to Israel, He says, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, because of that fact, you, O Israel, are spared. You are not consumed because God is gracious and patient and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He is filled with mercy. And we are not consumed as we ought to be. God does not change. And in a world where everything seems to be changing, you know, I don't know if any of y'all are into CBS or the Big Bang Theory, all right, but my wife and I have watched that show from the very beginning, and it had the season, the series finale this past Thursday night. And it proclaimed on the show something that's very popular in belief, and I believe to be fairly true when you look around. The only thing that does not change is that change is inevitable, right? The only thing that is constant is that life is always changing. But in the midst of an ever-changing world, we serve a God who is unchanging. He is constant and steadfast. He's not going anywhere. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's why we can be content because no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what storm has passed by, no matter what mountaintop we are on, no matter what valley we find ourselves in, God remains the same. His mercy and His love endure forever. There are psalms that just repeat that refrain over and over again. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. So that means that whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've been through, whether you've been divorced, whether you've been cheated on, whether you've killed somebody, whether you've lied, whether you've stolen, whether you've gossiped, whether you've disobeyed your parents, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, God's love endures forever. And there is mercy enough for you and that will never, ever, ever change. <clears throat> ah, excuse me. There's an example that I would love to look at. 
This world wants to pull us away and we want to be drawn apart from true sound doctrine. And we want to be told that Jesus is going to change with the times. That we should read Scripture differently because now we're in a different time. Things are different now. We have to understand the cultural context. And they didn't know what we know now back then. But I would remind you that God is the same no matter what is happening in our lives. No matter where we find ourselves in history. Because if you look back through history, people's lives didn't look that different from our lives today. So let's take a a very obscure figure of history. Somebody not very well known. You may have heard of him. His name is David. He becomes the king of Israel. Has anybody ever heard of King David? Maybe one or two. He's not a very well known character in the Bible. Okay, I, I, I tried to find a real obscure one. But look with me. Just think through the life of David. David begins his life as the runt of the litter. He's the smallest. He's the underdog. And nobody else sees value in him. He's out tending the sheep. But while he's out tending the sheep, the constant and forever the same God is watching over him as lions and bears attack. He killed a bear with his bare hands. All right. I don't mean to make a pun there, but really he killed a bear with his hands. All right. This is a man who is out tending the sheep that God is watching over and caring for him, even in the lowest of jobs out tending the sheep. The youngest of the brothers, the litter, the runt of the litter, he is out in the sheep. And yet God does not leave him and does not forsake him. And so he is anointed king and he's riding high on the mountaintop right after he's anointed king. He goes and in the valley of Elah, he faces Goliath, a nine foot titan who no one else was brave enough to face. He takes a sling and a stone and he puts him on the ground, chops his head off with his own sword. This is David, the hero of faith, the man who believed God and went and fought for him on top of the mountain, winning victories in the valley. And God was with him and giving him strength and giving him power and being merciful to him and being gracious to him. So listen, this morning, if your life right now looks a lot like David's back then, and you are on top of the mountain and everything is going your way, You couldn't be making more money at your job. You couldn't get more respect from the community. Everything in your family is just fine. I want you to know that you're there and that's happening because of God. He has blessed you in order to be a blessing because that's what happened to David. It's what we see in Scripture. Life is not that different. The Jeff Bezoses of the world are not an anomaly. There have been rich, wealthy, powerful, successful people throughout all of history. And some of them have been very good and godly people who seek hard after the Lord. And so David is killing Goliath and on top of the world. He makes the very best friend of his life in his bosom buddy, Jonathan. Okay, there's nothing there's nothing homosexual here. There is nothing that is even sexual in this relationship. It is a bond that is deeper than a brother. He makes the best friend of his life. So let's just review. He's been anointed king. He's killed a giant that no one else would face. He's got world-renowned fame for killing said giant, and he's got great support systems around him. He's got an awesome friend. He fights for the hand of Saul's daughter, King Saul, gives way his daughter, Michal, to David. So now he's married. He's got everything going for him. A great friend, a good wife, fame, renown. He's in the palace of the king, playing music for the king in his spare time. He could not be more loved and more favored. And then everything turns on a dime. Everything turns on a dime. 
because the current ruling king, King Saul, many of you are familiar with, becomes extraordinarily jealous of David. Has anybody in this room ever experienced jealousy before? Maybe you've been successful in something and then all of a sudden your co-workers turn against you. Maybe all of a sudden your friends are no longer very supportive to you because you're successful and they are not as successful. King Saul was worried and anxious about how well-loved David was among all the people. And so Saul begins to hunt down David to try and kill him. At this point, Saul is David's father-in-law. Have any of you ever had issues with your father-in-law? I mean, like, I love my father-in-law to death. I I pray that I could be more like my father-in-law. But sometimes, me and my father-in-law have little spats, okay? The in-laws are difficult to get along with all the time. It happens in life. Guess what? It was happening in 1000 B.C. in the life of King David. And God was the same God then that He is now. So if you're sitting there thinking, God doesn't know my struggle. He doesn't know how jealous my friends are of me. He doesn't know what it's like to relate to in-laws that can't stand me. I think he does. I think he's been there before. I think he's helped other people through that for thousands of years. You're not alone. God loves you uniquely and has been there before with his other children. So he knows how to be there for you. And you think, okay, but seriously, like David sounds like he's got a great marriage. Oh, a wonderful marriage. That's right. It is true. He, He has Many wives, which was very sinful. It was a bad thing that David did. But Michal especially, David brings the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of Jerusalem and is so excited that nobody died in this attempt to bring the Ark back to Jerusalem and put it in the tabernacle that he takes off all of his clothes and dances in the street naked. When he gets back home, his wife is waiting. And I I mean, like, I can just see. Y'all gotten the look, man. You know. What do you think you were doing out there? You just think you're so cool just flailing around out there. All the poor people saw you, David, every square inch of you. You're just going to embarrass me in my household like that? Listen, if I had a nickel for every time my wife asked me if I was just going to embarrass her like that, I would be a wealthy, wealthy man. I know what it's like to live and embarrass your wife. David did not have perfect marriages. But, but listen, God can't work with me. God, God's not constant when I've cheated on my wife. Yeah, you make a good point. That's a tough situation. It really is. If only God had worked with somebody to do something mighty, even though they had an affair. By the way, we're still talking about David, aren't we? David cheated on all of his other wives. Every one of the other wives. Multiple wives, multiple concubines. Any desire or fantasy he has can be lived out. And yet he sees a woman bathing naked because he chose not to go to battle. And he decides he wants to be with her. So he brings her to him. He lays with her. And then she becomes with child. And so he conspires and carries out a murder against her husband. And you think, man, there's just no way God could work with me. God works with adulterers. God works with murderers. God works with liars and slanderers. God works with people who have tough marriages. God works with people who've been divorced. God works with people who's been remarried. God works with people who don't get along with their in-laws because the same God never changes. His love endures forever. There's no sin that you can commit that goes beyond His forgiveness and His mercy towards you. And listen, there's going to be people that try and tell you you're damaged goods and it's not true. Do not believe them. 
Because God has worked with countless people who are labeled as damaged goods by society. Because society changed the label, but God never changed. His word is true. And if we look to His Word, we see story after story of people who failed, and yet God picked them back up, dusted them off, and used them in spite of themselves. The fact that I am a preacher standing here proclaiming the Word of God to you this morning is a miracle of God's grace. Because outside of God's grace, I should be a heroin addict somewhere on the street. God chose to use me in spite of myself and brought me to this point. And will carry me wherever He will have me to be. He will do the same for you. Don't let people tell you that God has changed. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, He says, don't be drugged away. Don't be dragged away. Don't be enticed. Don't be led astray by diverse and strange teachings. When the Bible says something plain and clear, and you know it and you read it and you read all the little study notes in the study Bibles, and they say, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Let brotherly love continue. Continue loving people like brothers. That's what it says. Somebody comes along and goes, well, actually, that's sexist language because it only says brothers. It should say all genders non-binary. Show all non-binary gender love to all people wherever they're identifying. I'm, I'm pretty sure it just means love people like they're your brother. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward in Scripture. Don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. God is the same. His Word has always been the same and true and declared unto us. And so there are different seasons in life. You might be in an early season of life. You might be graduating. And I know everybody's going to tell you that there's going to be terrible people out there that are going to try and tell you God's Word's not true. It's going to happen. There's going to be people out there that tell you that you're interpreting God's Word wrong. It's going to happen. Don't be led astray by them. There are going to be people out there that say, well, the Bible's different now. God's different now. Don't listen. The same God that brought you this far will carry you the rest of the way back home to Him and do great things with you along the way. None of us know what's in store for you. But God has great plans for you. And that's not just true for these graduates. It might get to a point where you think it's cliche or you might disbelieve it because you've heard it so much. But I want you to hear this morning, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how much of a success or how much of a failure you count yourself to be, God is not done with you yet. And God can and will use you because he's been using people just like you and just like me, messy folks for all creation. And he's been doing great and wonderful things. And so this morning, don't count yourself out because God hasn't counted you out yet. Don't think that you've done too much and there's no forgiveness available because our God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he sent his son to die to cover every sin that you could possibly commit. And if you would believe in him no matter where you are, if you would trust in Jesus and follow Him and seek after Him, even if there's bumps along the way, just like David's life, if you will be a man or a woman after God's own heart, then God will not put you to shame. And you will dwell in the house of our Heavenly Father for all eternity. If you would but trust 
that Jesus came and lived and died. He is the one who was and who is and who is to come. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And He loves you more than anyone else on this planet loves you. He wants to use you for His kingdom and His glory. He wants to make you content. He doesn't want you to just survive this life. He wants you to have an abundant and full life where you thrive. But you've got to trust Him. It's not too late. Because He doesn't change. Don't be led astray. Trust in the unchanging, never failing, endless love of our God. If you've never done that, you have an opportunity to do it this morning. Maybe you're in a season like David and you've sinned grotesquely against God. His mercy is still there for you. If we confess our sins, 1 John tells us, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So this morning, maybe you have sin you need to confess. Maybe you need to trust in Jesus for the first time. Maybe you need to respond in some other way that I can't even fathom right now. But I'm going to pray for us. Jason's going to come and lead a song. As that song is being sung, I encourage you to respond to the Holy Spirit, however He moves upon your heart. Let's pray. Great God in heaven, we love you. We thank you that you do not change. And because you do not change, we are spared. There is mercy available for all of us. Lord, I ask that in this time that You would move amongst us, Lord. Convict us of our sin. Challenge us to live for You. Give us the strength that we need to honor You and serve You with our lives and our words and our deeds. God, help us to remember that we're the ones who change. You are the only constant in the universe. You will never leave and you will never forsake. Help us, Father, to lean wholly on you. We love you. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.